your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Monday's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, April 26, 2021. We are getting closer and closer and closer to the NFL draft. First round kicks off April 29th, which is Thursday. So only a couple more days of talking about the draft as far as who the Raiders could select, who we think the Raiders should select. Instead, it'll be who the Raiders selected in round one. And then, of course, next week, we'll be talking about who they selected the rest of the draft. So very excited to put all the speculation beside, all the scenarios, all that good stuff aside, and just be able to know exactly who should be on the roster for the Raiders in 2021. That is coming up in a couple days, man. Very excited about that. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to let you know it's being brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. I also wanted to say shout out to everybody in Raider Nation. And I know this isn't everyone who listens to the show, but so many people represented on Twitter over the weekend uh, with Christopher Carter uh, from uh, from Locked On Steelers. He's my co-host on the Locked On NFL podcast that I do on Fridays and we got into the whole Steeler Steeler fan base talking about their the nation and we all know that that's all false and uh, I made a big to do about it on the show and we got into a big beef about it and it was cool and it's still it's a friendly beef it's not like I'm you know angry at him or anything like that but just let it be known like hey there's only one nation it's Raider Nation so he put something out on Twitter on uh, on Friday like that that morning and so I quote tweeted and said yeah there's it, it's false it's not a, it's not a real thing it's Raider Nation and that's it and so many people represented and have my back and you know really really went to war it was great man it was a lot of fun uh so i definitely appreciate everyone who who had my back on that and of course you know i'm gonna hold it down in a major way i'm not gonna let someone get away with saying that anyway so that's that's how i roll but uh, either way chris is a good dude but when it came to him saying steelers and nation in the same sentence that just wasn't gonna happen anyway let's go ahead and get into the teeth of today's show man i got a whole lot to get to i know i'm not gonna be able to get to it all but this whole week is going to be action-packed i'm trying to tell you monday tuesday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all to the, man, we're going to just ball out. That's what we're going to do, ball out. So I'm very excited about that. Coming up in segment number three, your calls, your texts, even got a tweet or two that I'm going to get to, or I'm going to try to get to, get to as much as possible. Got a lot of calls and texts over the weekend. I won't be able to get to them all, but I'll get as many in as possible in a, you know, 10 to 12 minute segment in segment number three. Segment number two, uh, I broke down Daniel Jeremiah's pre-draft press conference that he had last week, and I had about 25 sound bites. They all don't pertain to the Raiders or don't have anything that would have to do with the Raiders. So I'm just going to bring you the ones that I thought were very informative and, and could be used as far as Raider information goes. So uh, the ones that I found, probably about 10 of them, maybe 10 of them. Let's see. Uh, yeah, probably probably a little bit less than 10 of them. Uh, I'm going to play for you in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. His uh, his thoughts on, on just the draft is his pre-draft press conference. He's done two of them now, and this is the final one before Thursday's draft. And then here in segment number one, just kind of news and notes collected over the weekend or stuff that rolled out on Friday. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And one of the biggest pieces of news that came out on Friday was the fact that the Raiders did their due diligence on the quarterback position. Now, I don't know why anybody should be surprised by this, and I don't know why anyone should be upset by this, including Derek Carr. I think that that's something, I've said it multiple times on the show, something that the Raiders should be doing. They should be doing their due diligence 
emphasis on, on the quarterback position. Uh, they should always do that. They're always going to do that, especially with John Gruden as their head coach. But I think good teams do that anyway. Not saying that they have to go and take a quarterback, but they still need to look at him and evaluate the position. Apparently, they talked to Trey Lance and maybe would make a move if one of these big-time quarterbacks started to drop down the, the the board and got into range where they could trade up and go get him. And I don't think that that'd be a bad idea. But here's Ian Rappaport from NFL Network talking about what the Raiders have been doing as far as their due diligence on the quarterback position. Here's my understanding of where the Raiders stand on this. For It seems every year, really, since John Gruden and now Mike Mayock have gone there, they've done extensive work on the quarterbacks. They've gone to the pro days, they've done all the scouting, they've done the interviews, and that has continued this year. I know particularly they've uh, spoken a bunch to Trey Lance over the last couple days and and couple weeks. Certainly something they are keeping an eye on. Is any quarterback going to be there at 12? Is someone there worthy of potentially supplanting Derek Carr in the long term? Not short term, Derek Carr staying around the short term. But is anyone worthy of supplanting him in the uh, short term or long term at 17? Probably not. This is really about what if someone starts to slide? What if someone goes past 8, past 9, 10, 11? Maybe the Raiders say, you know what? We are going to take our quarterback of the future. Whether they make that decision or not, Mike, they're going to be ready. But, of course, once again, another offseason with Derek Carr hearing about all the other quarterbacks in the draft. So there you hear Ian Rappaport talking about the Raiders doing due diligence on the quarterback position, the big-time quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. And I don't think that it's a big deal. He makes it sound like it's such a big deal deal or such a bad disservice that the Raiders are doing that but if one of these big time quarterbacks happens to drop I wouldn't be mad at the Raiders if they went up and made a move like if Justin Fields were to drop to say 10 or 12 or something like that and the Raiders decided they wanted to go make a move why the hell not you know what I mean? Like, sometimes, man, you got to roll the dice and go make a move. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. And that's not a disrespect to Derek Carr. It's just what you got to do. You know, and you saw the Kansas City Chiefs do that. They had a quarterback in Alex Smith, and they jumped up from number 24 to number 10 to go get Patrick Mahomes. And, well, the rest is history. If the Raiders were to jump up from, like, 17 to 10 to go get, uh, to go get uh, like, a Justin Fields or something, or even a Trey Lance, if he happened to be the guy that they, you know, expected him to be, and then then cool. You know, I, I wouldn't have no problem with that. They haven't given Derek Carr a contract instead yet so it is something that could be a possibility so why wouldn't they do their due diligence I think that that is kind of silly and it's funny because Michael Lombardi former uh, former well personnel guy and obviously has worked with John Gruden very closely never really has anything positive to say about John Gruden but he was on a radio show and he was basically being asked if John Gruden should just stick as the coach and, and turn the personnel over to someone else you know the decisions on personnel to someone else well we all know that that's not going to happen so you'll hear Michael Lombardi say that that's not going to happen because it's the package but then he also gets into the conversation about the Raiders and having interest in quarterbacks and how that is a good idea. So here's Michael Lombardi talking about Gruden, the coach, the personnel guy, and then the Raiders' interest in quarterbacks. Well, but it's all tied together. You know, it's, it's all tied together. You can't separate the two. You know, he's not the kind of guy who's going to go over in his corner and just and just take with the players. He, he came back in the league to be the king, right. and he is the king there. And so you just can't separate the two jobs. And I think that, you know, he, would, it would need, he needs somebody who's going to stand up to him, but nobody's going to stand up to him. Nope, not his assistant coaches, not the general. They're not going to stand up to him. And I think this, inst- this, this conversation about quarterback, it's really about what do we want to pay? Everybody focuses on they want to replace Carr. Well, I mean, he doesn't like Carr's inability to play on two day, uh, to make loose plays. That's one of the things we know. When the play breaks down, Carr doesn't make a play. Okay? We get that. But he also knows that does he want to pay Carr $36 million a year, $37 million a year, $35 million? 
And if he doesn't want to do that, then this is the year to draft the quarterback to redshirt him while Carr's your starter and then get that guy ready to go. And I, and I think it's probably really smart on the Raiders' part to, to spend a lot of time evaluating the quarterback position so that they're comfortable. Do they like Trey Lance? Maybe he slips to eight or nine. Maybe he, if he gets there, then, you know, they call Carolina or call Denver or call one of those teams and say, hey, look, we're ready to make a deal. And it may cost you next year's one. Look, he knows Andy Reid did that. You know, he knows Andy Reid moved from wherever he was to get Mahomes. Houston moved from wherever they were to get to get Watson. You're going to have to do it. And the team that you don't suspect will do it is probably the ones that will. So I thought that was some interesting stuff right there from Michael Lombardi talking about what the Raiders could possibly be doing, you know, what they could be looking at in the case like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance were to fall and, and the Raiders want to go make a move. It's not a bad idea, you know. We've talked about it on the podcast. Do you want to pay Derek Carr a contract extension that's going to pay him about 36 or, or, or more million dollars a year? Are you willing to do that? Are the Raiders willing to do that? You know, and I'm very, I'm very skeptical that the Raiders are willing to do that. Go ahead and put that much money, invest that much money into Derek Carr. I could totally see them going and making a move if one of those guys were to drop and they say, hey, you know what? That could be our quarterback of the future. That could be a guy that could compete every game with Patrick Mahomes, with uh, uh, a Justin Herbert, with whatever quarterback the Broncos go and get, you know, because I don't think Drew Locke is the guy there, so I think they'd make a move. Matter of fact, I had Cody Rourke on my, uh, on my radio show on Fox Sports Central Texas on Friday, and uh, I had him going through the mock draft and doing what he did, and, and it happened to be Justin Fields was there available at number nine, and he took him. He said, yeah, the, the Broncos would definitely take him at number nine if he was available, so that's something to think about. Could you imagine a division with Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr? I mean, you look at that and say, okay, Mahomes is number one. You feel really good that Justin Herbert's going to be really good, right? Uh, Justin Fields, obviously, he'd have to go out there and prove himself. You know what Derek Carr could do, but you know that he's not super dynamic, but he has, you know, good arm talent. And, of course, he's accurate, gets the ball out. I mean, he's good. He's just not elite. He's not going to ever be elite quarterback, but he is a good quarterback. So that would be a salty division if, uh, as far as quarterbacks go if that were to shake out that way. So I don't blame the Raiders at all for doing their due diligence on the quarterback position just in case one starts to fall and they decide to go ahead and make a move. That would not be a bad thing, in my opinion. And my final note for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast has to do with something that happened on Friday, which is the Baltimore Ravens traded Orlando Brown, the right tackle, to the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to play left tackle for them. So the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs got a lot better. Uh, Obviously, they don't want Patrick Mahomes running around for his life like he had to do in the Super Bowl versus Tampa Bay. Uh, They've really tried to bolster that offensive line ever since that, that Super Bowl letdown. They get Orlando Brown. Uh, a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 sixth-round pick, and the Ravens get uh, the Chiefs' 2021 first-round pick, their third-round pick, their fourth-round pick, and a 2022 fifth-round pick. And all of it, well worth it. Orlando Brown is a heck of a tackle. Uh, he went in the third round. I thought that that was crazy. The big tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's a heck of a, uh, a player. And he's going to be really, really good for Kansas City. They'll give him a contract extension after the 2021 season. So he's going to be there for quite a while. But uh, the Chiefs are making sure that the offensive line and the defensive line, for that matter, is a lot better than it was in the Super Bowl. So Orlando Brown, now the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it doesn't matter what they had to give up to go get him. It was definitely well worth it. It makes a lot of sense. So that's a good Good move for Kansas City. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, you're going to hear from Daniel Jeremiah, some sound bites from his pre-draft press conference as the draft. The NFL draft officially kicks off this Thursday. It's going down a major way, April 29th. Excited about that. Before I get into segment number two, I do want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. And the first is 
Nugenics. And Raider fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. All you got to do to get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy in lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates apply. Nugenics Total T is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ad says, she'll like it too. If you're over 40, don't let age get in your way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It's because it works. I also want to tell you about betonline.ag. And if you like to have a little bit of skin in the game, well, betonline.ag is for you. And what you mean, what I mean by that is if you want to get off the sidelines and get into the action, you want to, uh, you know, have a little bit more excitement with all the games that are being played, baseball games, basketball games, hockey, UFC. There was some great UFC action over the weekend, right? Uh, I saw a really good baseball game on Sunday night. The Dodgers and the, the Padres went to extra innings. I mean, if you want to be able to be a part of of the game itself all you got to do is get on with betonline.ag open up a free account today whatever money you put into your account as long as you use the promo code locked on you're going to get a 50 percent welcome bonus so say you put 200 in your account you'll get 100 on top of that so you can get your gamble on and win a lot of money betonline.ag is also the title sponsor of the uh, betting show that i actually do the gambling show i do with lee sterling from paramountsports.com it's called locked on bets give it a give it a listen go ahead and uh you know download it and uh, and and follow it and and yeah, check it out. See if you like it or not. Either way, just go ahead and uh, like I said, check it out. BetOnline.ag is the title sponsor of that. It's going to help you get off the sideline and get into the action. Again, BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. It's as simple as that. BetOnline.ag. Segment number two, it's coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to hear from Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. He had his pre-draft press conference. It's the second one that he's had this draft season. It's the final one that he's going to have as, well, the draft is on Thursday. So it'll all be official like a referee's whistle come Thursday, and that'll be exciting. But I had a lot of good stuff. It was about an hour and a half long. I broke it down, uh, about 20, 25 sound bites that I have. I'm not going to bring them all to you because they all really don't have a lot to do with the Raiders. But I think the ones that I'm picking out, they could have to do with the Raiders. So uh, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Uh, I always enjoy listening to Daniel Jeremiah. I always love listening to all these uh, talent evaluators just to see what they're talking about, what they're hearing, what they're feeling. And, uh, you know, you just, again, you take it with a grain of salt and you get your own decisions and you make your own decisions on what, what you're hearing and what you're thinking and what you're believing. But I always feel like it's always good to hear from these guys. So uh, off top, just want to talk about, you know, the draft in general and what the biggest challenges or hurdles are evaluating players in this year's draft without, you know, the combine being like it normally was. And then, uh, of course, everything is really virtual. Something Mike Mayock talked about on uh, last week when he was saying that it's hard not to be able to sit down with these players. But what is the biggest challenge or hurdles, according to Daniel Jeremiah? I think the, the biggest deal is the medical is the medical information. Last year, as weird as it was, 
you know, we got the combine in. So you had 330 plus guys that had good medical. Uh, this year, you only end up having 150 guys go to Indy and several players, you know, for, you know, with COVID or other reasons, you had some key players that didn't make it there. So you've got incomplete medical information on these guys and nothing scares a general manager more than not having the medical, you know, to the point where you're scrambling. You might have a guy that kind of pops up out of nowhere late in the process and you'd be trying to get him in. For, you would save some of your 30 visits, right? You're allowed you used to be bringing 30 guys into the building. You would save a couple of those for these quote unquote pop-up guys that had great pro days. So you could bring them in and get your physicals on them because you weren't going to pick them. You wouldn't pick them if you didn't have a physical on a player. Well, the math doesn't work out. When you look at the number of picks and you look at the number of physicals, there's going to be a lot of guys that get picked this year that teams are not comfortable with medically. And that's why I think you're going to see teams very willing to part with late picks in this draft to move up in rounds you know, three and four and, and all the way up into round two. And you're going to see teams comfortable with trading some you know, picks this year for picks next year just because – uh, once we get to the back half of the draft, you're literally flying blind on these kids medically. So there he is. He's talking about the medicals are the biggest issue, the biggest challenges, the biggest hurdles for teams to overcome. And it might be smarter if teams are like the Raiders were in 2019. Uh, well, actually, in 2020, leading into the 2020 draft, where they didn't have those later picks. You know, they made all their picks uh, by the end of the fourth round, and then they were done. You know, it, a, it might actually be smarter, and you might start to see a lot more teams go ahead and trade a lot of their later picks so they don't even have to worry about it because the medical are going to make it such a challenge. And so another question that he was asked is, how does he feel the league thinks about the guys who opted out? You know, and, and that's another conversation that we've had quite a bit here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You know, these guys that sat out a year, you know, it's a tougher evaluation because they haven't played ball in a year. So how are teams feeling about those opt-out guys? Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, we're going to have several opt-out guys go in the top 10. When you look at, you know, Jamar Chase and the two tackles, those guys are all going. So um, I, I haven't heard anybody that that's, uh, that's really been overly punished for, for that in, in draft meetings. You know, teams have, haven't viewed it. It's obviously a unique situation. They understand it. They get it. So I, I don't think it has any impact. I think the majority of them showed up at their pro days and worked out extremely well. Um, so yeah, teams that I've talked to have been very comfortable with the opt-out situation. So he doesn't feel like a lot of teams are going to hold that against players that opted out. I know there was rumblings that, you know, John Gruden and Mike Mayock weren't too high on those guys that opted out, but you can't say that publicly because they could say, Hey, we opted out because of COVID. And then all of a sudden you're, you're being insensitive. And so there was some rumblings though, that, that Gruden wasn't going to be fond of the guys that opted out and is not a big fan of the guys that opted out. But again, that's just kind of speculation. So uh, one more question that's really almost an, a general question is talking about the evaluation of wide receivers. How difficult is it? And then he answers it kind of based around the Baltimore Ravens and their, their lack of ability of getting a number one wide receiver. But I also think it's just relevant to the Raiders just because they went and they evaluated and decided that Henry Ruggs III was the best wide receiver for them in the draft just a year ago. And so, you know, how difficult is it in general to evaluate wide receivers? Uh, Jameson, I think it's gotten easier. I think as the NFL game mirrors more the college game, it's gotten easier to project what these guys are going to do and to get them on the field and get them being productive. Uh, when years past, you didn't, you know, you didn't know how they were going to function with all the stuff that was going to be asked of them um, in terms of, you know, site adjustments and those things, but they've taken a lot of that stuff and simplified it. So I think it's, it's easier now than it's ever been. And 
um, yeah, it's just one of those positions. The Ravens have not had trouble anywhere else, but that's been a little bit of the bugaboo. Um, but I think it is for them and everybody else. It's getting easier. So he's talking about the fact that there's so much more of the college game now in the NFL game that the evaluation for the wide receiver position should be a lot easier. And again, you can see these offenses that have a lot of the college uh, thoughts in them. You know, the college concepts are into them. So uh, how about the defensive side of the ball. He was asked about defensive tackle Christian Barmore from Alabama. He's a guy that some folks have talked about the Raiders taking. I've seen him mocked as high as 17. I don't think he's a first-round guy, but it is what it is. Uh, so he, he was asked his thoughts on Christian Barmore from Alabama, and then he was also asked, was he shocked that the Browns released Sheldon Richardson with such a thin defensive tackle class? And, well, he's a big-time defensive tackle. But he starts off talking about Christian Barmore and him being a first-round talent. No, I mean, I think he's... You know, I think he goes, he could sneak into the back end of one. I think more than likely he goes in round two. Like he, he fits the profile of what traditionally are the second round guys. And that it's a, he's a little bit of a boom bust player where you have high highs and then you've got some inconsistent lower lows. Um, I, I, you know, at Alabama, you know, some of the stuff that he had to do at Alabama, I don't know if that suited him as well. Um, to me, he's more of a, of an upfield guy. Let him use his athleticism to, to attack an edge and work up field. Um, asking him to kind of play blocks and, and hang in there. That's really not his style, even though he's a big guy at 6'4", 310. Um, so to me, he's a he's a three technique who's got some real athleticism to jump in gaps, get up field and go. Um, so that to me kind of – it puts him for me in the second round mix. I think he's my 42nd player. Um, so that's kind of where I have him. Would I be shocked if he were to go, you know, the Browns are what, 26? And, and say, well, is that a big reach? No, I don't think that's a big reach. If you feel like he fits what you do, um, but I, I think there is some risk involved. There's, there's some, you know, there's some games where he just kind of disappears. So the ability is there, um, but that's kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of where I have him. And in this draft, which is is so light at defensive tackle, it's the, it, it I mean, I call it is what it is. It's the worst defensive tackle group that I've seen since I started in 2003. I mean, I've got two guys, really, when you talk about Barmore and Anzarike, like whatever order you want to put those in, I have Anzarike. But those are the only two guys that I would be fired up in the first 75, 80 picks. Um, so it's just a really thin, thin year. So maybe it was eye-raising just from that standpoint, knowing that there's uh, – you know, it's not a lot of reinforcements coming. So not a whole lot of confidence in the defensive tackle class from Daniel Jeremiah. That's something that we've been talking about quite a bit here on the Locked On Raiders podcast is that it's a very thin draft. And, you know, uh, there's going to be one of those guys that are going to probably be taken in the first round, even though maybe they shouldn't be first round guys. But if a team really, really wants a defensive tackle, they might go get them. They might jump up and go get them. So. That was Daniel Jeremiah on the defensive tackle class and Christian Barmore as well. Who knows where he goes? I think that's going to be one of the big mysteries of the draft to see where, in fact, he goes. He's a guy that's going to be in the green room there in Cleveland, so he might end up being getting the Aaron Rodgers treatment where they keep going back to the green room and seeing him still sitting there waiting to hear his name called. Just got a couple more for you. Uh, how about Daniel Jeremiah on the safety class? How does he have them stacked up? And then his thoughts on the safety out of Georgia, Richard LeCount. Uh, I just did this this last weekend. I have my top 150 will come out next week, but I went through and, and stacked all the positions. So my safeties, I have it Merrick from TCU, uh, Javon Holland from Oregon, Richie Grant from UCF. Then I have Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech and, and Andre Cisco from Syracuse. Cisco coming off of an injury. I have LeCount right after Cisco. Now, when you look at LeCount and you look at him on the paper, you see the pro day, he ran a 4.76. And you're like, oh, my, he's no way he's going to be the sixth safety off the board. But his tape is really good. And in talking to a bunch of teams that have all the GPS data, 
he plays like if you're going to do the equivalent, he plays like a four-four safety. That's how he plays on the field. He had the accident, which you, which you mentioned. I don't think he's fully recovered from that yet. Did not did not run well at his pro day. But most of the teams I've talked to are, are forgiving the workout and believing in what they saw on the player on tape. So I still think he factors into that. You know, probably the fourth round would probably be where he ends up going. So I thought that was really critical as far as the Raiders go because we all know that free safety is a major, major need. I think, in all honesty, I think that the Raiders need to grab one of the top three, Trayvon Merrick, Javon Holland, or Richie Grant. And those are the order that Daniel Jeremiah had him. He also had Divine Diablo and then Andre Sisco, which I know a lot of Raider fans are high on Sisco, but he's coming off a torn ACL, and I saw him on film get burned a lot. I'm just I'm just not 100% sold on him. I really think that the Raiders need to come away with one of those big-time free safeties, uh, Merrick, Holland, or Richie Grant. And my final soundbite that I want you to hear is about Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. I'm a guy that says, hey, I think he's not a first-round dude for me just because of the back injury and having to have surgery after opting out. I mean, there's a lot of situations that I don't like about Caleb Farley, even though he is one hell of a defensive back, like really, really good. So uh, he was asked, Daniel Jeremiah was asked, would he consider Caleb Farley, cornerback out of Virginia Tech, at 16? It was an Arizona Cardinals question, but at 16 is not much different than the Raiders at 17, and that could be a situation that they have to think about. If they're sitting there at 17, would they want to take a chance on Caleb Farley? I say no, but what is Daniel Jeremiah's thoughts on Farley? Well, if you're, that's all purely medical, you know. So he's had a couple back procedures. Um, if you are comfortable with him medically, he was like my fifth or sixth player in the draft. He's a freak show. Um, he's, you know, I was around Chris McAllister. That's who he reminded me of. So he's a big time, big time talent. Uh, that just comes down to your doctors and how they, uh, what their comfort level is with him physically. If they, if they give you the okay, he passes. Shoot, that'd be a home run pick if he shows up and he's healthy. I feel like there's a lot of ifs there, you know. If he shows up and he's healthy, you know, I just that is my biggest concern, you know. And then especially since he didn't play in 2020 and then still needed to get a back surgery, that's concerning. I mean, I can understand if all of a sudden you played and then something happened and you hurt yourself and you had to have a surgery, but you didn't play and then you still had to have a surgery. For me, it's just not worth it. The, the The risk is not worth the reward, even though he could end up being the best defensive back, for all I know, out of the whole draft. But I just don't think it's worth that uh, that risk. Now, I'd rather i be much more comfortable with a Patrick Sertain or a J.C. Horn. And to be 100% honest, I'd much rather have Patrick Sertain. That's that's my defensive back of choice. If I had an uh, opinion, if my opinion mattered, Patrick Sertain would be the dude. But I don't see him getting past the Cowboys at number 10. I just, I really don't. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Podcast, a little sound from Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, his pre-draft press conference. So, uh, yeah, that's that's some good stuff right there from DJ. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts and a couple tweets straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. And, of course, I've been telling you about Built Bar for just about ever. BuiltBar.com is the website. Check them out. they got so many different flavors of great taste and protein bars for you to choose from. Uh, you just got to go check them out for yourself. They got the OG flavors, but they got a bunch of new ones as well. Of course, the bars, man, they're they're really good tasting. Uh, plus, like I said, they're very good for you. So you can enjoy a delicious treat while you're losing or maintaining a certain weight. You don't have to feel bad about cheating on your diet because, well, you're still having a protein bar. So again, it, it's good for you. Just It just tastes really good. They're great for the health conscious man or woman. They're covered 100% in chocolate. They're softer, easy to chew. Uh, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. So check them out today, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order just like that. That's LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Segment number three, it's on the way. 
Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Even got a tweet that I'm going to try to get to in this segment. The number 707-654-4693. And if you tweet at me, at your boy Q254. Again, at your boy Q254. Let's start things off with a call, though, from 208 Raider. He's calling to talk about John Gruden and his personnel decisions and the fact that more people are starting to see what he's been seeing for a while. Here he is, 208 Raider. Yo, going on? It's 208 Raider. I've been meaning to call in for a while now for numerous things that uh, you guys are talking about in the calls and stuff. Number one way to represent the nation, there is only one nation. The Q for letting everybody know, especially on the record. Another thing, for all you guys that uh, are just now starting to voice an opinion that Gruden sucks and he makes these terrible personnel decisions, like, welcome to hell. I was watching Gruden as the Raiders head coach when I was a kid. And while they were good some of that time, I really never thought that it was something that could be attributed to him and his decisions on personnel. Back then, Al Davis was still the man. And he might have started to decline right at that same time. I remember he took, uh, you know, the kicker in the first round, and that was kind of the beginning of the end of those golden days. But, yeah, I feel you guys think uh, Gruden sucks. If you didn't know that when he traded Khalil Mack, then you're crazy. That was the beginning of the end of that. So he's a good head coach, writes a good offense, whatever, but as a personnel guy, it's just going to suck. They're going to reach in the draft. I mean, hopefully they get lucky. Hopefully Mayock takes a little control this time. We'll see. I'm always optimistic for the draft. Also, shout out to everybody in the 530, the 209-916. Peace. There he is, 208 Raider. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, I mean, I think really – Gruden is a really good coach. His personnel decisions, I think we all realize, are pretty questionable at times. And, you know, it just it is what it is. Like you heard Michael Lombardi say in segment number one, you know, that's that's what came with it. You know, he, he came back to be the king. He came back to be the guy in charge of everything and be the head coach. So that's what it is. So, I mean, you know, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Now, I will say when he traded Mac and Cooper – I mean, the thought was there, even though I didn't like it when he traded Mac. Obviously, I don't think anyone did. Uh, I, I really was really upset about it. But at the same time, in theory, it made sense, okay? He got five picks out of all of that. He had five first-round picks out of all those trades that he made. That was good in theory, but you've got to be able to get a couple home runs out of that. You've got to be able to score some runs. You know for a fact that Jacobs was uh, or is a really good player. I don't even know if he's a home run. He probably is like a double off the wall. You know what I mean? He's like a double off the wall, but still is a leadoff double. But the other guys, if you want to keep it in baseball terms, I feel like they got on base, but they never scored. You know, and and, and there's still question marks if they're going to score or not. Of course, uh, the first-round picks from a year ago still need to still grow. But Henry Ruggs and, and Damon Arnett, the question marks are still out there. Of course, Jonathan Abram, question marks out there. And Cleve Farrell, the question marks out there. So, uh, you know, the guys look like they're, they're, they're big leaguers, look like they can really get it done. But 
but they just haven't done it yet. And so those five first-round picks don't look like they really turned out to be a whole lot of anything. Now, a lot of teams have started to trade off some really good players and get a lot of picks in return, and you know they're trying to make it work for them. Now, you've got to, again, you've got to hit on the picks. You, it's one thing to have draft picks, but you've got to hit on them. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up is a text from LBC Raider. It says, Sup, Q. LBC Raider here. Been listening to the pod for a couple years now, but only my second time texting in. I tried my hand at this PFF mock simulator, and I wanted to do a bold one where we traded up. Ignore the trade values. I had to force a trade because Panthers and Miami are in talks to be available. I thought, why the hell not be bold and just draft for the future? We all know if this season doesn't play out as a big playoff-making season that we expect it to be, then Carr is probably out next season. However, I think he's a very good quarterback besides his small hands. We just all know that the quarterback eventually goes when the organization isn't winning. I could just feel the pressure starting to mount on the Mayock-Gruden era. We might as well shoot our shot while there's a chance that a possibly highly talented quarterback falls in the draft this year because there's a lot of them. Sorry for the long text. Love what you do. QQ grinding. And so you'll be in Vegas. Raider LBC out. Thank you so much for the text. And here is his mock draft results. First of all, he made a big move, a bold move. Like he said, he traded up all the way to number eight with the Carolina Panthers. So he gives up, the Raiders give up pick 17, which is the first round pick this year, round one in 2022, and then pick 79 this year, and then uh, 2022 round three pick as well. But the Raiders move up to number eight, and they get Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. Got an A for that pick. At number 48, Richie Grant, safety out of UCF, got an A minus on that. At 80, Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky, C+. 121, Kendrick Green, guard out of Illinois, A-. 162, Benjamin St. Justee, cornerback out of Minnesota, A-. 167, Robert Hainsey, tackle out of Notre Dame, A-. 200, O'Brien Goodson, defensive lineman out of Memphis, A-. So overall grade, the Raiders got an A-, and that's bold. And I tell you, I like the Trey Lance, the Richie Grant, the Jamin Davis, the Kendrick Green. I mean, I, I really like those first four picks that you made, and really with what the Raiders had to give up, not really that bad. That's not really a bad draft at all. I really do like that. So thank you so much for that. Uh, that's from LBC Raider. I do appreciate it. Good stuff. Next up, got a call from Cy Reezy in the Bay. He's calling to talk about the release and signing of Arden Key and Mohurst by the 49ers and brings up an interesting point about it, how it could have been a positive from the Raiders organization's point of view. Here he is, Cy Reezy in the Bay. What up, Q? Raider Nation, it's your boy Cy Reezy from the Bay. A little bit of positivity for Friday, or this will probably come out on another day, but whatever works, you know. A little something to get your day started. But, um, you know, some good conversation I'm hearing uh, about the recent events with uh, Maurice Hurst and Arden Key being let go, but then catching on with the 49ers really quickly. Um, specifically, you know, you were making some comments about that situation. I think you really covered all points and aspects of it. Uh, and there was a caller, I think DJ from the 909, who was, um, you know, making his case for, like, why don't you just bring these guys into camp and let them get a chance and see where it goes. And I, I think he's he's right in that respect. I understand it. And I also think, you know, you made a really good point in terms of, well, maybe the Raiders already have three years of film on these guys and they know what they have. And, you know, they're, just, they're like, if they're not in our plans, you know, let them just see if they can catch on elsewhere. And I think it kind of hit me there because that's something I think is, as Raider Nation is proud of because it points to a real cultural belief that the organization has, and it's something that has to come from the top down because things like these always come from the top, and everybody below really has to buy into it. And I feel like the Raiders really try to do their players right. In other words, if they know they have an opportunity for them, they'll give them a chance. If they don't think 
there's a chance that they're going to catch on or they think oh, we're going to draft a bunch of other guys. Maybe we're looking for some specialist traits that don't exactly fit what these guys have. And they think there's a low probability of those guys actually catching on with the roster or, or, or staying. They'll give them the best opportunity they, they can to go out and catch on somewhere else. And the Raiders have seemed to do that, I think, ever since the McKenzie era, and it's carried on, you know, through uh, the Mayock era, which leads me to believe it's, it's really a, a, a Mark Davis kind of cultural belief to try to treat players right and give them opportunities. And I think that's something that, as the Raiders, you can, uh, Raider Nation, proud of, because not all teams are like that. There are plenty of teams that really do screw their players around. Uh, and don't give them those kind of chances. And I think it's a smart move, too, because, you know, if you don't have – if you're not a yearly contender that can easily attract players, um, at least you can be known as somebody that really gives players an opportunity and treats them right. And that way, when a McKenzie or a Mayock, you know, calls, they pick up the phone at least to give them a chance. So, anyway, a little positivity. Let's kick it off. Let's have a good week. Cyreezy from the Bay. Raider Nation, I'm out. Yeah, you bring up a good point, man. Letting those guys go early enough to get a job, have an opportunity to, to find a team before the draft, that is a big deal. A lot of times, a lot of these players, they, they get let go after the draft, and all of a sudden, team's roster, their 90-man roster is already full. So, again, if you know the coaching staff feels like, hey, we've seen these guys for three years, we know who they are and what they're about, and we know that they're not going to be with us moving forward, yeah, why not let them go early and give them an opportunity? So, yeah, the, the Raiders could have probably done those guys a solid by letting them go, both Arden Key and Mohurst are now both members of the 49ers. I got time for about one more text. Oh, no, you know what? I'll go ahead and put a tweet on here. A tweet from Black Hole Jr. You can find him on Twitter at the Cali Prodigy. He hit me up at your boy Q254 and he says, Hey Q, I'm a newer listener. Love your pod. You're one of the best around. Keep it up. I did a pro football focus mock draft. I would appreciate your opinion. Have a great week. Go Raiders. Again, this is from Black Hole Jr. at the Cali Prodigy on Twitter. And so he goes from, and he made a trade. And I will say he got a D plus for his his draft grade on the trade. So it wasn't a very good trade, according to Pro Football Focus. The Raiders received picks 25 and 33 from the Jaguars, while the Jaguars received pick 17, round one of 2021, round two of 2022, 79. So he got a D-plus for that. But as far as the picks go, at 25, he took Trayvon Merrick, safety out of TCU, got an A-plus. 33, Tevin Jenkins, tackle out of Oklahoma State, A-minus. 48, Jamar Johnson, safety out of Indiana, got a C-plus. At 80, Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky, got a C-plus. 121, Kelvin Joseph, cornerback out of Kentucky, A-minus. 162, Aaron Banks, guard out of Notre Dame, A-minus. 167, Josh Palmer, wide receiver out of Tennessee, A-minus. And then 200 overall, Jonathan Marshall, defensive lineman from Arkansas, A-minus. Overall grade for the Raiders is a B-plus. And I will say, I'm not a big fan of giving up as much as you gave up for the trade, but I think the Merrick pick was really good. The Jenkins pick is really good, especially at the value. Got him at 33. That's really, really good from Oklahoma State. Uh, I think that's probably about his range. Safety out of Indiana, Jamar Johnson and Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. I like both of those picks a lot as well. Josh Palmer is getting a lot of that range uh, at number 167 wide receiver out of Tennessee. That's about the range that he's, uh, he's getting a lot of love as well. So not bad. Not bad. You got a B-plus front. I, I like it. Again, I think my biggest issue is just giving up as much as you did to, to trade back and gave up, I feel like, a lot of capital to the Jaguars. But that's about it. So thank you so much for that. Coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, got a lot more texts and calls and tweets to get to. That'll be segment number three. We'll obviously have more news and notes of the day. I think I'm going to have my guy, James Arcelano. I'm going to try to get him on uh, to talk about what he thinks the Raiders should do in the draft. Plus, he has a, a Raiders 
only. It's a Raiders focused mock draft, not mock draft, but a draft guide that he has out that I think he's selling for two bucks. But um, we're going to get him on the show to talk about it. And uh, maybe I'll buy a couple from him and then give him out on the show as well. And we'll make sure that that happens before the draft on Thursday so you can get yourself prepared for uh, what the Raiders should do from James' point of view. I think that he'll be on the show tomorrow. I'm not too sure, but I'm, I'm working on that right now. So that's all I got for you on today's show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. We're going to kick off this week and have a lot of fun as it is draft week, baby. We're going to have a lot of fun on the show this week. Please believe that. We're going to go hard in the paint Monday through Friday. We got Monday in the books. We got Tuesday through Friday still to go. So until then, Raider Nation, stay safe, take care of yourself. And uh, yeah, man, take care of the family. That's the most important thing of all. And as always, Raider Nation, just win, baby.